Hi, I'm John. Hi, I'm Olivia. Hi, I'm Lena. And this week, we've watched Two Days and Two Nights, and now we're going to argue about whether it's going to make us quit Star Trek. I feel like you might watch this episode and think that, you know, the moral of the story is that Trip and Malcolm made a fool of themselves. But the real core of the story is that Hoshi is a goddess and a queen and Travis is adorable. Hoshi fucks and Travis doesn't have a shirt on. And those were the most interesting parts of this episode. Oh, and it was transphobic, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh... Thanks, Lena. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hoshi is the essential thing. I think that's got to be, that's yeah. like the, the key moment. It's just so unprovoked. And I just, not that there's any, ever a reason to provoke it, but it's just like two assholes in the corner making comments on people who don't care about them. It's just like being at university. I'm so well, <sighs> it's weird because he's got like he a lot he he comes across transgenderism a lot in the show. Like he has somehow the first male pregnancy that humans have ever had. Like in the twenty, which seems weird to me as like. Well, I did. I was watching this with Margot. I was watching Unexpected with Margot yesterday, so I went and actually looked it up. And technically, they're right in the sense that no cisgender AMAV man has given birth. It shouldn't be impossible, though, should it? Like by the. I think it is actually biologically impossible just because of like plumbing issues about blood and stuff. When? Where? <laughs> Like down there, like there's not enough space in a man. I don't know. I didn't, the future weirdly, I didn't figure it out. Like, weirdly, I didn't spend a lot of time on the male pregnancy Wikipedia page. <laughs> I just went I to check if there were any examples, and it said they tried on a baboon once and the baboon died. Oh, God. Which, uh, anyway, uh, you're right, there was a lot. It's like, why does Enterprise do this to us? Because like, four four episodes in, you do Empreg, and then penultimate episode of season one, you do this. It's odd. (laughs) It's odd. And it's the kind of thing, like, it happens a lot in Northeast shows, where you're just watching it, and then something like this will happen, and they're just like, it's not even a thing. Like, nobody bats an eyelid. It's meant to be funny. Like, this is not Latin in late. It's still, like, fuck. <laughs> What's happening? It's very much the consistent series. Sort of like, you leave the 60s and 70s, you leave the 70s, and it's like, okay, we can't make fun of women anymore. Okay, we'll make fun of gay people. Then you get to the end of the 90s, and it's like, okay, we can't make fun of gay people anymore. I guess we got one last frontier of bigotry that every socially acceptable. So I'm terrified as to what's next. I like to think of it that there's, unfortunately, I don't think that trans people are like the last socially acceptable bigotry. Like you look at the whole of society and it's quite clear that it's not (laughs) like we live on a hell planet. Um, We live on Plague Island in hell planet. That's true. Population us. And on that, for that light, let's move on to something more interesting. Which leads so. Please tell me you didn't start with Enterprise. I always ask this whenever you have an Enterprise episode because I just. Please tell me there was a better place you started watching Star Trek than Enterprise. Um, when I was a kid, really, like um, it was always on just before Scouts, um, and it was. The next generation and I remember almost zero about it except that I liked data um and I guess like the next thing I remember is like Deep Space Nine and there was Odo and Odo seemed to come with the space station like whoever was in charge 
and that was basically all I got from it um, for a long time. Did you enjoy uh, it, Odo? I think I did at the time. I just really liked, I didn't remember much about the character, except that he just seemed to work with whoever was there. Like, he just seemed to like, I wondered if he was like, did he just come with the station? It, that was my, that was what I thought at the time. It was like, it. Five, it came yes, with nine, the fascists. Yes, three, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like the DFS sale, but with fascism. <laughs> so, so you watched it then, and then you came back and watched it again as an adult. Like, oh, Odo sucks. <laughs> um, I think I stopped watching it in like the Enterprise time because, um, like early two thousands, the idea of a cowboy traveling through space breaking intergalactic law to fight space terrorists like that was my main reading of enterprise at the time and i was like this that's still the main reading of that's all they've managed yeah i didn't i i just wasn't interested so i think i stopped watching at that point i was i didn't feel like it was worthwhile um yeah well, you know, quitting Star Trek because of George Bush allegories, I am, um, that's acceptable. Absolutely. That's acceptable because, you know, season three is whack. It's really uh, weird. Like, I was thinking about this watching this episode and how, like, they keep on, like, in this, in the Enterprise, they occasionally, like, waterboard people, kind of, in space. And, like, they're very... Like, I'm not sure which side of the allegory they're meant to be. Like, they're the like, Tandarans. <laughs> they're like both sides of the allegory at once. I mean, it's Battlestar Galactica Light, right? Uh, let's not talk about post 9 11 trauma porn, the series. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think instead we're going to talk about. The sex planet. I remember being so excited for this episode in my Enterprise Watch trip. My boy finally on Riser would love to see it. And then this is what I'm presented with. I mean, I was heartbroken. <laughs> yeah, because what do we get? So we open with Paul basically bullying Archer to go on holiday. And then Archer <laughs> just takes his fucking dog with him. I, I was thinking about how it really annoyed me that the captains always have to be bullied to go on holiday. Like, it's a really weird message to be sending to people that they can never just, like, take a day off and it be okay. Like, are they not meant to have mental health breaks? It, 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 it was like... they're strong men, and strong men don't need to even acknowledge that they have mental health. Right, guys? <laughs> 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 Not that we say it's, that, knowing that, and like uh, you said, that immediate thought was the scene in the first season of TOS where Kirk just has a breakdown about the fact he needs a holiday. <laughs> it's like a bit in balance of terror where he just lies in his bed, is like, I wish I was on a holiday. And it's like, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's how Picard goes on holiday to Riser, isn't it? He just like, he literally stops working as a human being and utterly breaks down, and so they just ship him to Riser for a few days. Instead of to go fuck for a week. And instead he discovers aliens, because that's what he can't do it normally. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so they're all like, ooh, what are we doing on holiday? So Travis, my beautiful baby boy, is going rock climbing on a rock face that changes shape, which... Um, it just can't be enjoyable, Travis. can't be enjoyable, Travis. I love you, but why? And uh, Oh, she's going to learn languages. She's a fucking nerd. She's and going then, to waste time talking to people. I think. Yeah, I don't good. understand that when they're like, a, oh, look at you wasting time by making friends. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck, trip? you heterosexual asshole? <laughs> it's like they're not going to waste time speaking to their prospective lovers. I did the, the language in this bit where they're talking about broadly the cultural horizons and Malcolm's constant nervous laughter is like, wow. Okay. Dominic Keating is really playing you gay. 
yeah I really like I really really dislike Malcolm but now that I can view his character as this guy who maybe is just holding a few things in I have some sympathy I think <laughs> I say cautiously do we have to hand it to Malcolm Reed no I don't want to hand anything to him there was a shift in my thinking, but I'm not going to hand him anything. <laughs> so, yeah, and then while they're going down, Phlox is being put in hibernation, which uh, is kind of funny, because they just give him a shot. He's like, right, I'm off the bed. See you in two days. <laughs> and we see Truman Cutler, who's lovely and disappears very well, soon. Yeah. Well, she disappears. I don't know if... She disappears because they were going to do a lot more of the actress, but the actress died suddenly. Yeah, Billingsley did tell us about that. She she got ill suddenly or something? Yeah, I think she had a pulmonary embolism. Oh, right. Yeah, it was very sudden. But they were going to do a lot more with the character and they just didn't. But it's great because she's fun and she's just kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing. Help. Mm. And she, I didn't realise she turned up as early as the third episode of Enterprise. She's in... No, the second episode of Enterprise, he's in. It's quite fun. Anyway, so... So, Archer... when we just Okay, Archer's whole um, storyline is just great from the settings that we're introduced to. This weird... Is it like a... It's like the 2000s. It's like a 90s set... Of like a, a holiday home. I don't know. It's, it's, it it's just quite, so strange and false to me. It looked very much like a resort in the Balearic, in like Mallorca or yeah. something like that. And not a very nice one. Absolutely. <laughs> I quite liked it. I thought it was, when you think about like the Riser episodes in the past, and they've always been in a garden or in a repurposed spaceship, corridor um thought it was a really nice room it was a dodgy timeshare <laughs> <laughs> it was Arthur's dodgy time it was a dodgy timeshare and like the staircase up to the bedroom didn't have a hand railing and that made me suspicious there's an OSHA violation there but then also as Archer and he meets a pretty blonde lady with a dog because um sure it's just it's just weird that like she had to mirror him oh i guess that maybe makes sense in an in-universe way which we'll come to later (laughs) i was kind of thrown thrown by there being a dog like i kind of wish they'd done the dogs from like the original series where they stuck like horns onto them (laughs) my day would be made (laughs) i really hope we see that dog in strange new worlds (laughs) <laughs> somehow I demand it <laughs> so we cut from there to a early 2000s nightclub and whatever the fuck those two were the jackets were like six buttons which is just disgusting oh the worst outfits I've ever seen in my life no, the worst a... facial expressions I've ever seen in my life <laughs> Just this entire, like, 45 minutes is just me being deeply disappointed. And the bit where Malcolm's like, oh, what about her? And Travis go- and Trip goes, I think that's the- I think she might be the wrong pronoun there. And it's like, um... Here we go. Is this a Malcolm gay moment or a transphobic moment? I'm not sure. It's really disappointing from, like, the start. Like, they're meant to be explorers. They're meant to be explorers. Like, can they not like assume that they might not be able to tell someone's gender from a moment of looking at them. They're aliens. It's yeah. and it's, why is it still so binary on Earth in the what is it? 23rd century? Well yeah. <sighs> I just try not to think about that stuff too hard and assume that we're viewing it through the lens of Berman vision. Berman vision, God. I'd rather be blind. It's like grayscale heterosexual lenses put over your eyes. It's deeply... It's it's very odd that they needed to foreshadow what happens. Like, they have, like... Because this is a really short episode. 
it's also episodic. You only have like 15 minutes for every story. And yet they have to have these characters being tricked by um, dastardly transvestites twice. And it's like, it just seems really unnecessary. Like, want be bad. It, and that ain't so classically invasive in the way that like transphobia is today. It's just like, you know, maybe it's worth the risk. Let's scan her. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is horrifying. Oh, kind of wanted to mention, like in the UK at this time, um, 2002 when this was filmed was, um, at the end of 2002 was when the hate crime rules were changed so that the Portsmouth defence went out of law which was essentially our um, gay panic defense ended at the end of the year at the end of 2002 um, and then hate crime came in in 2003 that would have made you know made it a hate crime to kill someone because they're trans um so at the time this is filmed i think it's really notable that had malcolm slept with these people he'd kind of be entitled to murder them like the background of this is it's really dangerous to it's filmed in a society where it's really dangerous for people not to know your gender. Um, and yet they're playing it for laughs. Yeah, that's definitely above any sensitivity or just general human compassion that Berman could have possessed. <laughs> I just don't actually understand why they needed to have... Because we'll, let's just skip through to the most, the, the bit, the most cursed bit, because what we do, we have more like... Archer and this mysterious blonde lady shit. Then we get um, Koshi learns Ryzen in a day, which is incredibly hot of her. And then this guy turns up and tries, it's like, you'll learn my language, which is very I'd love to see it. And then we get... On the language stuff, I'm really sorry, I get kind of nerdy about like conlangs and things. And mm -hmm. so I was interested, like, how have they built this? And it's so Indo-European, like when you think Lunat is nice and um, there are no operat job. It just feels really lazy, the writing. Not to mention, like, the other guy who's, what does he say? Like, um, my language is very hard to learn, hardly any of my own people speak it. Which, at what point is it not your global language if nobody speaks it? That's just bad like, flirting. <laughs> yeah, it's not very good. But I guess it's, it's really interesting, this plot, because this presenter's like, ooh, is this mysterious guy going to try and do something with Hoshi? But no, he's just flirting, and he's kind of nice. He's fine. He's, he's a just a guy. successful hinge date. <laughs> <laughs> he is sadly a successful hinge date. So then we have the lads talking about the fact that the Vulcans probably have sex more than once every seven years, which, uh, thanks, Brad and Braga, for doing that to us. I mean, it's like it's not like they said they only, ever said they only have sex every seven years. It's just that they will only, they'll die every seven years if they don't. There's <laughs> an in-between. Mm, you have a point. But then we get... Um, these two ladies show up and they are very interested in our boys. And then they... They just... Um, they, they flirt. They're like, hey. I mean, they just showed up and they're like, wow, I can't believe you haven't bought us a drink already. It's been five seconds. Um, Tucker and um, Malcolm and Trip lie to them about being the captain. They're Wait. all the captains. Yeah. Are they both the captains? Is that a thing I missed? Yeah, they're like, <laughs> um, I thought you were, I was like, oh, I said the captain's life. I thought you were the captain. Oh, we, we, we rotate. Oh. Ugh. oh, God. And then, Me too. I really, I really can't. And then the girls are like, um, do you want to come see the underground garden? And they go to the underground garden, there's a wine cellar, and they're aliens. The reveal of this was so like Shit. pantomime. It's like, oh, ugh. just it's everything about this, this plot, B plot, or whatever's going on here is just so cringe as well. What <laughs> I 
don't understand is why. Well, I know why they were like, ah, the robbers were had turned out to be men. It's like you could have just had them be shape shifting women or shape shifting genderless beings or not shape shifters. You could have just had them be not shape shifters. But we all know why, don't we? I mean, in a way, it's those two who assume that they're male. I mean, this they don't know anything about the species. That's also true. It's notable, I mean, like, you basically have two siren bots going on here. Um, obviously, like, while this is happening, Walter is having his own, like, honey trap situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think Berman is, like, what, would it make a difference if they were female? It'd still be, like, there's some, there's something really misogynistic, I think, about, like, the whole idea that women are going to this, these places in the first place. So that's like a real go-to in this show. Um, it's, a very, it's a go-to in Star Trek. Yeah. Like the first episode is like, it's a go-to from the man trap. <laughs> All the way through. And I think that is less of a Star Trek issue and perhaps more of a genre fiction issue. It's true. You know, I think that's just a genre fiction, especially horror fiction issue, perhaps. But that doesn't excuse Star Trek. No, and it, you know, the Star Trek has that position of being like the pioneer. It's fine to, you know, recognize where it failed. Um, Man Trap is still an exceptional piece of horror, but it does rely on Honey Trap. This is complicated. It is messy. And, you know, the man trap is good drama, and this is shit. It's like, it's offensive, and then didn't even, it didn't even reach any heights. What did you do this to us for? Um, But I really, I think we need to get into Archer's weird relationship with this woman, because this is just, it's the... It's been bugging me. I don't know what their flirting is. It's like sexual tension slash social engineering. <laughs> I... I'm just going to eat a tart while you um, rant. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There's, you know what I think bugs me about this, their interactions is that it looks like they're in like a weird side sitcom. <laughs> the settings <laughs> are so strange. Their conversations seem so forced. I don't remember who she is. Does she appear in any other episodes after this? No. Of course not. Of course not. Because Enterprise never follows through. <laughs> um, but I guess she's just some spy. Yeah, because she's asking him a lot of questions. There's a really weird line in it, which I find really interesting about, like, because he's going to, she tells him to go to some boat to eat crabs or whatever and then he's like would you like to come with me and she says no I've got something else I've got to do like she's literally meant to be on Riser to spy on him so what's her other appointment yeah and it's weird because she's like oh yeah I'll go oh wait no I can't go (laughs) I have to watch you from a telescope instead it's the first day (laughs) I'm going to be snorkeling a hundred yards away with a pair of binoculars. So, yeah, so, so, you know, the lads, after having this weird thing, the lads got kidnapped in a transphobic stereotype. And um, Travis, my beautiful baby boy, had a rock climbing accident and he hasn't got a shirt on. So we're having some very strong, stupid, sexy Travis moments here. Of course he's injured. Travis, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> they knew he was going to be injured. As soon as he said, he's going to do the stupid climbing mission. But it's okay, that he's not a misogynist. <laughs> I love that there's like four plots going on. There's like the archer, there's the Hoshi, there's the transphobic one, and then there's Travis. And Travis isn't in the Travis plot very much. Like, Oh. It's a flop spot. <laughs> That's heartbreaking. I mean, we do get the great line where uh, Paul's like, "Why did you cut my cup?" And Jack's like, "You ever, you ever been, you ever been to an alien hospital?" And she went, "Yes, in San Francisco." And Travis just looks and like, "Yeah, you got me." <laughs> <laughs> I, I have nothing to say to that. 
So they're like, I guess it's like, Cutler's like, oh, we can't wait for Fox's up, he's asleep. And Travis is like, what do you mean asleep? And Fox, uh, to Paul is he's hibernating. And Travis just sort of gives her, oh, for fuck's sake, look. <laughs> they're just, he's just like, are you kidding me? The man is hibernating. Did they not check? Like, because presumably he had a shuttle journey back to the ship and, like, called from the hospital. Like, at what point would you tell someone that their doctor is hibernating and that they're going to a ship with no functioning doctor? Well, I think the point, I think, because Cutler basically goes, I can handle it, don't worry, because she's a trained medic. And why can't she? He had a because simple he that- allergic reaction. <laughs> He has an anaphylactic shock and they're like, oh, okay. Uh, fuck. You're telling me they didn't have an equivalent of an EpiPen to give them? <laughs> no one could master that? Well, EpiPens are specifically designed. I don't know. It's space. I'm not a space medicine nerd. Tell me about <laughs> starships. I'll do that. I can't do space medicine. That's someone else's job. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. The transphobic lads are tied up in a wine cellar and being transphobic. Um, I didn't know they were male. They were they were male, not at first. Oh, at first they were gorgeous. Malcolm, don't you tell me you've never seen a gorgeous male? Because we all know that you have. I mean, you're working next to Trip. I love that Mal- that they just is literally. Um, do, you, do you want the captain to see us like this? Like his immediate fear is that it'll be found out that he'd been attracted to them. Very on the nose. If if Reed was meant to be an evil character, who's bastard? Well, if they're writing for that. That'll be a really good line. Um, We're meant to like these people, and I just don't. <laughs> I don't even like Trip in this episode. He's usually sweet. He's. It's true. They destroyed the lovely Trip that I know. I mean, well, Trip's kind of you know, he has his dodgy moments. I, I I don't know how much we can put to the character and to Berman, but you know, it's um sort of they but they all have their racism issues, they all have their bigotry issues. It's kind of like, hey, it's the first trek, they can kind of be pricks. Uh, oh well. Because then, you know, we get sexy Travis who's having an anaphylactic shock, which um and he looks good doing it. He looks gorgeous <laughs> doing it in very tight clothes. Yeah. Flox is very good in this scene. I think he's like a, another takeaway. Like he is a good character actor. And oh, Billingsley is wonderful and he's exceptional and his physical comedy in this episode is fantastic. Incredible. What's that? I've been standing up for five minutes. <laughs> Such a good one. <laughs> <laughs> or the bit where he's like a. It's like, why'd you wake me up? Fuck you all. And they just killed me. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Hoshi and her new boyfriend talking about. It's like, oh, this is like a strawberry. And she holds up a strawberry. And it's like, what's this? Oh, this is a kiwi. And he's like, huh. in my language, kiwi means kiss. And he kisses her. <sighs> and then she's like, okay, I like you. And she, they go to a steam bath and fuck. Which are good for them. That scene, <laughs> you know, in comparison of the awkward flirting we have with Archer's weird, stale interaction, and the absolute hell going on with like Malcolm and Trip, I guess it was good. I guess it was cute. I'll let them off. It was also nice in a Star Trek episode to have a woman, have a female character, have a male love interest, and for the woman to have some agency in that process. Because that never fucking happens in Star Trek. And there was no weird evil shit. She was just a woman who's very intelligent and knows what she's doing. And he respected her intelligence. Is is he a king? No, the bar's too low. We can't call him a king. The bar's too low. The bar is too low if he's a king. He's a nice young man. Yes, a nice young man. Um, Because they do have... Well, I don't know if that's later. They have that conversation where it's like... Do you think I took advantage of you? And she's like, no. It was as much my decision as yours, but I don't know. Oh, that's enough. So yeah, Flox, so what happens now is Flox is completely high as balls trying to fix Travis. 
And then we cut back to Blonde Lady because the Silliban killed her family, which, um, <sighs> sure. I barely cared about this plot line. I'm sorry. This plot line is only interesting to me for world building reasons that are then irrelevant because they never bring up this piece of world building ever again. Exactly. Because they have this bit where she's like, you know, where do they come from? Who trains them? Where do they live? And it's like, wow, you're really justifying the invasion of Afghanistan in this, aren't you? (laughs) It's topical because by the time this episode comes out, Kabul will have fallen. (laughs) Oh, gosh. It's really weird in that, again, she didn't go to the boat. Like, she's really panicking now and trying to get as much information as him as, out of him as possible. But she had two days and she, like... Fucked it up. Yeah, she spent the first day, I don't know what, like, having her own B-plot. Um, maybe there's someone else she's playing on. Seeking Jamarahon? Jam- what is it, Jamarahon? J- I can't even Jamarahon, say the word. Yeah. Seeking sexy times. Yeah, she got distracted and, you know, we can't blame her. But the thing is, the fact that this never amounts to anything, like, as I was watching it, I was trying to rack my brains thinking, when does she come back? Of course she doesn't come back. because Yeah, so we have, she's revealed to be a Tandaran spy. And for those who can't remember, the Tandarans are the species from the Quantum Leap um, reunion episode with Dean Stockwell, where Archer and Travis get... um, detained in in an internment camp with some Suleban, which is an episode I was intrigued by for the world building, but Turkmen is actually pretty shit, so I hopefully we get to do that on this podcast at some point. Yeah, bring us more Enterprise to destroy. And also Dean Stockwell was fun with it, but anyway, so there's that plot, and it turns out she's a Tandaran spy and she knocks him out by cutting his skin or something. And uh, we love a plot that goes nowhere. Don't we? Because she's like, you know, you can't stop us. I can't have you stopping us. And then that's never followed up on ever again. Maybe we should respect Enterprise for teaching us the futility of life. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's teaching us a valuable lesson that we can take with us every day. Maybe Enterprise is a nihilistic masterpiece. (laughs) There we go. I've I've saved it. Yeah, because how does this episode end? It's just like... Trip and um, Malcolm go and get their clothes. Hoshi has a conversation about whether she was taking advantage of, and she's like, "No, I wanted sexy times as much as you did." Which is nice. God, you're and so Ar- right. Nothing happens. And Art just wakes up and goes, "Huh." And then they all get back in a shuttle. Like we all had a fun time, didn't we? They all, everyone just looks at each other and goes, "Yeah." Also, I just, that's the other thing. Archer just wakes up and he's, does he remember? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm sure he remembers the other parts, but does he remember the last thing that happened to him? I feel like, I don't know. It's just so bad. It gave us nothing. And you'd think they'd be kind of interested in, like, if your captain has been um, honey-potted and honey-trapped and, like, been drugged and woken up having had information taken and another group of people have had the same thing kind of happening isn't that relevant like there's no curiosity I find it weird that all this stuff happens and they just don't talk about it they I don't know it feels it feels weird you're right you're right it's just a enterprise just lacking not intellect but storytelling curiosity any substance at all would be appreciated <laughs> from you, Enterprise. It's really like they just didn't try it, even in their first season. That's also actually kind of frustrating. <sighs> well, it's... Don't see the Tandarans again, actually, because that, like, when you think about it, that was a popular episode. Everyone hey. loved that one. And yeah, it's, they... a, it's a really good concept. To have Archer set out to be, you know, Archer's like, I don't, the Suleban fucking suck. And then she's like, he's like, oh, no, wait, perhaps I've been getting the wrong information on this. Mm. You know, and they just don't follow up on it ever. But they're not, you know, surely Dean Stockwell, I was going to say surely Dean Stockwell would have wanted more episodes, but then he got the gig on Battlestar Galactica, so like, uh, perhaps not. Mm. But it's... It's just an episode that serves no purpose. It's to be like, oh, look, we went to Rise and we did a Shore Leave episode. 
is this why people aren't coming to us to quit enterprise? Because all their bad episodes are just so sincerely nothing, just so <laughs> empty that we just don't know what to say. Yeah, this is the problem. Like last week, well, this week's, yeah, last week's episode was Surely, which is a rip-roaring adventure through anti-Irish bigotry and rabbits. <laughs> and, you know, the Enterprise Surely episode you know, the only Shoreleave episode, we've done a TOS Shoreleave episode, we've done DS9 Shoreleave. Technically, Justice is a TNG Shoreleave episode. Mm-hmm. And this is just shit. Also, do you remember that there is like a, a two or three episode build up for them to actually arrive on Riser? Like every episode, like like the two episodes before this, they're like, we're going to Riser, we're almost there. And then something interrupts them. I don't even remember what now. Because it probably was Also, can I just say something really important that made me angry? Go ahead. Riser is 90 light years from Earth, right? Right. It is stated that's the furthest humans have ever gone. So far? Yeah, so far. Except that they've been to Kronos already. Isn't Kronos meant to be like... 122 I... light years away. Right. right. I went and looked right. this up. <laughs> so, how is, is it like, how is it further, further? Is Artemis being like general, being like, oh, we've got the furthest humans we've ever gone? Because also geographic, astrographically, astronomically, Riser being further away from Earth than Kronos doesn't make sense. Because Riser's part of the... Give me a second. (laughs) John is having a real emotional breakdown. I am once again asking Star Trek writers to use maps. Not even, there have to be complicated ones. It's like when you say something, like, say something in the distance. It takes John, 20 minutes. John, just know that we're all with you right now and we are here for you. Like, get a chalkboard, <laughs> like get a chalkboard wall in the writing room and just draw a map on it. Like, okay, there's this, there's Kronos, there's Riser. How far away is it? Use a trigonometry and a piece of string. Cartography is for nerds. <laughs> I think you it's really... I mean, there are star maps of, of the Federation, but it's basically impossible. Like, the Klingons invade Cardassians and the next to the Romulans. Like, it, the geography is whatever you need it to be for the plot to make the sense. Klingon, the Cardassians share a border with the Klingons and the Romulans. The Ro- Klingons share a border with the Cardassians and the Romulans. The Romulans share a border with the Klingons and the Cardassians somehow. It's complex. I try not to think about it. it. I'm thinking about it already too. You know, that whole geography would be a lot simpler if they just made Beige or Romulus like they were originally planning to do. If they made it a Romulan colony. uh, Then we wouldn't have had Dippy Heidnik discourse. So, uh, Mm -hmm. should we do the trivia before I have another rant? Yeah, let's (laughs) let's get into something. But will this help us make sense of what just happened to us? No. (laughs) <laughs> Great. Let's go. Chris, teleplay writer Chris Black found this episode took a long time to come through fruition. We've been talking about doing a short leave episode literally from the time I showed up. So the first, the first thing they want to do, they want to do the short leave planet from short leave, but then they were like, oh no, wait, that's a new planet in short leave. What? So, yeah, like, so then they went, what about Wrigley's pleasure planet, which was in the man trap? Which was with a name sounded too human and too well known for the relatively distant region of space Enterprise is now meant to be in. So they went with Riser because the Vulcans would know about it, which are okay. The Vulcans pretend not to know about it. Sure. (laughs) Sure, Vulcans. So this is the last of three stories set on Riser. So this is directed by Michael Dawn as well, which explains a lot because. yeah. Michael Dawn directed this. I don't think Michael Dawn should direct. I I mean, what I was witnessing was so terrible, I couldn't tell you any dis- anything distinctive about the direction. I um, noticed one thing. Hmm? There's a... Sorry, it excited me. I was really excited by the painting 
in the back of the hallway in um, in Archer's flat, just because it looks kind of like maybe it's a Ryzen spaceship. And I was like, I'm just really interested in like races like Ryzer and like it's a planet that's meant to be entirely like it has one economy, it does one thing. So at some point they got into space and built these rockets and how did they do that? Um, anyway, I noticed that, that it was there when she walked into, it was not there when she walked into the room to talk to her, it was there when she walked out. So yeah, sorry. Was is that a continuity no, error? I mean, the, the basic picture? thing is interesting. Cause like, I remember we had an argument when we did um, that he was out sin about how exactly Ryza works and we'll come back to that cause <laughs> Rise is fucking stupid. They they got so horny they went to space and they uh, never looked back. So um the book he's reading, Teachings of Sirak, was translated by Scon of Shikar. Scon is Sarak's dad. So Archer's book is Spock's grand written by Spock's grandfather. Cool, I think. That's- it was he went into space. He went to Risa to read and look at stars, and the book was a surprise gift. So, and it was the only book he ever read when he was there. I think, like maybe I don't think. No, he's reading another book on the terrace. I don't think he's reading the Sirak book. <laughs> he never opens that book. He never opens that <laughs> so, book. Wait, let's face what, it. what is Sirak's philosophy? Is it just hardcore logic, no fun? Yeah, that's Sirak. Like, the no, he didn't kill the Irishman. <laughs> okay. So he's, um, he's the reason the Vulcans are fuck such dickwads. Yeah, to Paul, why would you give him that? I know that he's annoying human, but, you know, you told him to relax. Yeah, so what's next? Um, Chris Black, the teleplay writer, was frustrated with his installment. His disaffection was it largely stemmed from the tight financial situation in which the episode was produced. Another reason was that he felt the script had been hobbled by the need to explain the backstory of Detained once the episode's mystery woman was made a Tendaran agent. So I don't want anyone to get the impression I didn't like two days and two nights, he clarified. I did like the show, but you always go back through the process and kind of kick yourself when you think it could have been more. Of course. I'm sorry, but I have no sympathy for you. Of course it could have been more. It was unfinished. It could have Um, been something. So Rick Berman described it as very funny at the time it was made. And has he elaborated, has he reflected on anything he's ever done in his entire life? No, we know that. So then years later, Brad and Braga characterised this episode as a boring one, about which he rhetorically asked, who cares? Which, um, you know, Brad and Braga, I need to do more research on to decide whether I like him or not, but I, he gets a singular brownie point for saying this episode sucked. Yeah. Um, That's one. It certainly had um, money constraints, right? Uh, if they had money constraints, why did they have these two ep- following episodes, or preceding episodes, rather, um, that wasted time? I was ready to visit Riser, and they didn't do anything. You know what? You could have saved cash by cutting all these stupid filler episodes. <laughs> Make it, you know what? Make Enterprise season one a 10 episode series. <laughs> so much was a waste. Just. Oh, God. John's what crying. a show. He's crying for them. Yes. Let the record show. <laughs> oh. It could have been so good. What could have made it good? It could have made sense, is actually all I can yeah, hand it to it them. it could have made sense. I feel like they kept on... It's a kind of problem Enterprise has, is that they see an episode that works really well, like when Picard visits Riser, it's great. And they like, okay, so we'll have lots of different plots and things going on at the same time and make it kind of a farce. But it kind of doesn't have whatever made it work before. Like, I think the problem is that Star Trek hasn't been camp enough to do farce since the original series. Trouble with Tribbles works because it's a farce comedy 
and it's exceptionally well acted because everyone plays straight in an incredibly camp setting. So whatever is done after that, it doesn't sell well. I think DS9 had its own brand of like comedic episodes that were successful. Yeah, like um, the Magnificent Ferengi works as a fast comedy very well. And our minds casually fling on profit and lace. Didn't quite work. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> but there are, you're right, there are comedy episodes of D- DS9 that work. But it's a straight, I think when fast comedy works in Star Trek, it's because it's very lucky in circumstances. It's a good script and the actors who can sell it. You know, one of the reasons the Frankie episodes are sold well is that they're an exceptional collection of comedy actors, all of them. Hmm. Whereas the actors at Enterprise are not, and the writing is tired already by season one. Yeah. I mean, the thing about season one of Enterprise, it didn't even inspire me to want to get to know the characters. And I just assumed at a certain point they'd fill us in and they never really do. It's like everyone's Some more than others. Everyone's in a while, I'm like, I really want to write a character study of um, Travis. And then I'm like, there's nothing to write about. Okay, we need someone committed to write a full on backstory for Travis. Give him a life, (laughs) give him a personality. He doesn't even, like, does Travis have any romantic episodes? Oh, I don't know. And that's a damn shame. How can he not? How could you have that beautiful, sexy man on screen? Incredibly sculpted man on screen and you don't give him a romantic episode. Okay, I need to, I need to make this make sense. Berman was jealous. He had an internal feud. He was either jealous (laughs) or racist. A little bit of both, the perfect combo. How is there not a Travis romance episode? Travis gets killed. Travis dies in one episode. And we still... It's okay. It exists in your mind, John. I'm sure. It's me. <laughs> That's the romance episode. Me. You and Travis, best buds. And Malcolm sort of pining away. <laughs> Fuck you, Malcolm. <laughs> so, are we quitting? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Finished. <laughs> Unless you were going to quit, Lisa. Not going to quit. Um, there's things I like. Problem when I was watching it, and now I'm kind of doubting myself. It's like, I like the holiday let. I thought it was a nice room and a nice view. I kind of like... The, the nightclub because at least it looked like a place people might actually conceivably go like often when we've seen Risa I feel like it's just so boring I, I can't imagine why anyone would go there where it, at least this episode it feels like a place um, but I have low standards on holidays so it <laughs> might be <laughs> I think this ruined actually Risa for me. down <laughs> I think this episode did ruin Riser a bit for me because it looked like a Windows 98 background. <laughs> I just... It looked like a landfall later Magaluf. <laughs> and I've never been in a landfall later Magaluf. I just, this is what I imagine it looks like. Absolutely. Those balconies were giving me bad vibes. I'm sorry. Somebody got thrown off one of those. <laughs> one too many pints of Stella. <laughs> Triplets. No. No, okay, you finish, Lena, then we'll do trips. I was just going to say, it's kind of a shame no one got thrown off. Like, why did they... That would have been actually interesting. Like, why did they have these big balconies and yet not use them for anything? Because there's a Romeo and Juliet thing going on. They also also ran out of fucking money, presumably. Why would you make your Riser episode your bottle episode? That's what I want to (sighs) know. It's stupid. Very stupid. It could... I mean... If the concept of having a bottle episode in Riser would have been fun to me, and now this has just dispelled that. So anyway. <laughs> Trip next. 
So for the uninducted triplets, our, our scale of curseness as drawn from episode four of Enterprise Unexpected. So, zero triplets, uncursed, sensible, normal. Ten triplets, throwing up out the window. <laughs> Olivia, how many triplets? Zero triplets. It was so boring. Actually, no. Do I want to say zero for what went no. down? It was so boring, is my initial Yeah, reasoning. it's like usually triplets are wacky. Yeah. Like there's a wackiness factor in them. So. And I don't think that triplets measure transphobia necessarily. <laughs> like if I say one triplet is one transphobia, <laughs> the scale is ruined. Yeah. We... <laughs> Uh, I think it just gets a big red stamp transphobia on the like this is a big clonk early 2000s transphobia yeah. <laughs> but it's a big it's like a picture of Tony Blair and like the cast of Little Britain just transphobia oh god <laughs> you think it's really boring transphobia like um, if you were to like I don't know if you've seen Spaced recently that episode where there is a non-binary person so they oh god them. Um, yes, I know the episode you're talking about. Which episode? It's Spaced. It's a show that made Simon Pegg famous. It's very good, right. apart from moments like that. Yeah, but in that episode, at least, like, they get high, they punch a non-binary person, <laughs> and then God. it develops their character because the, the artist guy sits around and says, this was really brilliant, that's what I needed to do all along. Punching trans people is really cool. And it develops their character. What? This, <laughs> it's an awful episode. It's the worst episode. <laughs> but at least something happens because of it. Like, it doesn't just, like... Wait, is it the artist? It's the artist character played by Mark Heap, isn't it? Is it, is it Mark Heap or Simon Pegg who punches a non-binary person? Simon Pegg. Ugh. Simon? <laughs> Simon? Oh, God, what is... Well, I... Face is very good. But it is one of those shows from the 2000s where you're watching it and then you're like, oh. You're like, oh, transphobia was really And you felt like to walk away from it for like a week and come back and do the rest of it. It's like, fucking hell. I can't even get my head around (laughs) this episode that you've just described. Um, I I think I'm at a loss for words. (laughs) I'm destroyed. This has broken me. I guess my point is it's just bo- this um, Enterprise episode is just boring for its transphobia. Like, it's not even profit and lace. You know what oh, I mean? That is a punch the gut. You're not even profit and lace. That's how low you are. Well, it's... Uh, it serves no purpose in the plot. They put it in there because they thought it would be funny. Which is a kind of a worse crime. It's I'm like, going to give it. No, you go. No. I'm going to give it four triplets. Did your notepad just? Fall? My notepad just fell off my. <laughs> just a sign of the, a sign of the mood. I'm going to give it four triplets because I think the general curses of shape shifting, honey potting. And then also two extra triplets for making Travis sexy and doing nothing with him. That is a damn shame. So Olivia thinks it's untriplippable. Which is cheating, I must remind her. It's not (laughs) cheating. It's actually showing respect for the triplet scale. (laughs) Lena, are you awarding a triplet score? The problem is I absolutely get Olivia's point. Like, it's so bland. Like, that's the, I think that's the thing that came from watching it. Like, me and my wife were sitting watching it the other day and she was saying, you're going to have nothing to say about this episode because nothing happens <laughs> in this episode. It's, um, whenever I think of Enterprise, I think of the Mitchell web joke where it's like, um, you know, um, so it's a film. It's a filmographer who talks about makes who makes boring films. It's like you know, and so there's a genre to it. You know, um, you have a uh, uh, public service films with this happen, and da da da. And lost in translation, nothing happens at all. 
And that's what I think about enterprises. It's one of these shows that just nothing happens. How many loose ends does Enterprise have as a series? I want to actually. I'm only on. Se- I'm still only on season two. It's I'm sorry, so I can't do loose- it. I'm going to go so back many... to season one and have a little tally of every time. It, it means nothing. Something means nothing. Enterprise has so many loose it. ends that whenever I watch it, I basically, it's like, oh, I could use this. Because basically it's just an alien species that's mentioned once and never brought up again. So I can just chuck it into Edge of, my Edge of Midnight project and do whatever the fuck I want with it. Like so the, the Tandarans, they're now a Klingon client state. Because I can do whatever the, because they're not mentioned again. So something must have happened to them. So I'm like, yeah. They're a Klingon, they're an independent state, and during the 2060s, they get annexed into the Empire. So there you go. Because they never, they just come up with these interesting concepts and then don't do anything with them. My they're lazy fuckers. Has, my headcanon is that most of Enterprise's exploring areas is annexed by the Klingons, and that's why we don't see any of these. It's... It makes sense. <laughs> So it's great for you charlatan fan fiction writers. <laughs> you call me a charlatan fan fiction writer, and yet you ask me every week for more Satel content. More Satel. <laughs> Satel is, like, diplomatically immune to any role. I mean, she she, she actually is. Uh, anyway, so is, are you so, opting out of the curseness ratio? I think I have to give it and like having watched it like honestly I spend a lot of spent a lot of time thinking about the room and a lot of time thinking about the TVs and why the dogs didn't have horns um those are what my mind has left on to from this what is what is that dog called let's just let's just name that king I think he was called Rilo yeah, it's, it's Porthos and Ryla, which immediately no, made me think... Were you saying about the um the fact that there was no TOS-style dog? <laughs> oh, what, what is a saying? TOS dog called? I think Alpha called a... 177K9. That did let us down. <laughs> if we had that energy, then maybe there would be something for us to cling on to. But no, <laughs> we just had you know... an ugly dog. It's just nothing. It's absolutely nothing. It's like lube at a funeral. <laughs> oh. Do you think that people would call the RSPCA on me if I dressed up a dog like that every day? <laughs> like yes. a TOS, TOS boy? I think they might. <laughs> Unnamed non-humanoid Alpha 177K9. We think <sighs> of you this day. So while Olivia's thinks about committing some uh, some mild animal cruelty by strapping unicorn horns uh, to dogs. Do you have anything to plug right now, Lena, to our wonderful quitters? Um, I have... The only thing I really have is I wrote a book a couple of years ago that is called um, Who Will Speak for England? It's a non-romance set in a devolved English parliament. I don't think... Anyone is that. You've read it. I've read it. I enjoyed it a lot. It's published oh. by Sea Lion Press, who published my other, um, the story I wrote, uh, which people who follow me on Twitter will have heard me parroting about. <laughs> so yeah, I've read Who Will Speak for England. It's very enjoyable and kind of, it's, it was fun. Oh, and it's like, oh yeah, England sucks because they fucked it up, which is always great. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that. Um, where can people find you if they want to find you? I have suddenly, yeah, sorry, I had this sudden fear that I'd get my Twitter handle wrong, which would be the most embarrassing thing in the world. At Sidewaysing um, on Twitter. And probably only there, like that's my main place. Okay, excellent. And if you want to pester us about anything, you can find us at Quit Star Trek Pod on Twitter or email us at iquitstartrek at gmail.com. Uh, buy our shirts. You can get them on Tee Public. Um, otherwise, come bully us on the internet. Don't do that. Every time you invite the audience to bully us, I'm just saying, like, you know what? Try me, bitch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, until next time, 
Thank you so much for joining us, Lula. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. In a me. sort of abstract sense where I just get to talk to other people about why the fuck enterprise is like that. <laughs> we, need to, we need to get like an enterprise super fan on to try and, I don't know, vindicate it in some way. Well, Noah was an enterprise super fan. He was on our fourth episode. And he trashed it, as he as should. He, as he should. <laughs> But yeah, if you're an Enterprise Super fan, please, uh, uh, please DM us on Twitter or send us an email and we'll fit you in so we can ask you why you are like that. Why but, are you the uh, way that you are? Why, yeah. Can we help? But until then, I've been John. I've been Olivia. I've been Lena. And um, don't get caught in a honeypot written by a transphobic writer. <laughs> <laughs> that is an insane ending. <laughs> I mean, I'm cut there. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone.